Is this on? <laughs> People do that all the time. Yeah. Not supposed to do that. Anyways, good morning, everybody. Good morning. And good morning and hello to those on Christian Coffee Time or anybody else uh, joining in on the broadcast. We are going to have a look in the Bible, which is the Word of God. Eh? Amen. And uh, John chapter 7, we're going to continue on in our study of the, the Gospels and chronologically <clears throat> we've been seeing uh, the things that the Lord Jesus uh, did and so on and so forth and we're up to now he's going to um, Judea down in that area and he's headed to the cross uh, this is um, the Feast of Tabernacles it's about our October the fall of the year and so we go through their winter and then the spring would be the cross and such we did have on the board all the travels of the Lord as he went into the north, as Capernaum was his base of operations, and they traveled all around there, and all that they did, now they're going south down to Jerusalem and Judea. Let's have a word of prayer and ask the Lord to help us with this. Father, we just want to thank you now, Lord, for this time to look into the Bible. We want to thank you, Lord, for the opportunity for us to even plant thy word into the hearts of these little children, Lord, and just to have them... To hear and to see that Jesus Christ is the Savior and that the Bible is the Word of God. We just thank you for that, Lord. We affirm that in their hearts. We just pray you help them to understand. And Lord, we just pray for us in here that we would understand these things and apply these things to our own heart and life today, all to your glory, Lord. We just pray, Father, and thank you in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Okay, we're in chapter 7 and we were just kind of running through it there last week. I don't know where we left off. So we're going to start at verse 14. And there's a few things for us to get to here. I want to get to, so hang on. We started late today, and uh, never mind the clock. Amen. There you go. And, <laughs> and we'll just see what happens here. We're going to go to uh, chapter 7 of the uh, Gospel of John. and We'll start at verse 14 and go through that and look at some of the things that the Lord Jesus did. Um, now about the midst of the feast, that's the Feast of Tabernacles, it's the, the in-gathering when the Lord, it's one of the three times that the Lord told the Israelites that they must all gather before Him and be presented before Him, all the men would be, uh, had to be there, and uh, this was one of the, the, one of the biggies in the, in the fall, and the, it was a week-long <coughs> feast, began on the Sabbath and ran through to the end of the week. And in the midst of the week, remember the Lord Jesus' uh, brothers last week, we looked at how they were mocking him and saying, go on up and show yourself and do miracles in front of all the people and all that sort of thing. And uh, uh, they knew that the Jews were looking to kill him. They were angry at the Lord Jesus. But in the midst of the week, in the middle of the, the festival, in the middle of the week, the Lord Jesus goes up. And we noticed last week the, the word yet, a very, very important word in verse 8. When Jesus said, I go not up yet. Mm -hmm. uh, without that word, if your Bible doesn't have that word, you better write it in there or something, or do something, because that's very important, because the Lord, uh, this is God, He does not lie, and God cannot uh, tell an untruth. He uh, said, I'm not going up yet. And His brothers went up, in the midst of the week, He went up. Uh, midst of the week, now about the midst of the feast, Jesus went up into the temple. Note where He went first of all. He's not going to the, uh, for all the other things that were taking place, he wanted to go to the temple. He's got a, a job to do. He's got people to reach for the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. Amen. 
He's going to get the, the, the Word of God to them, and He's going to help them understand that, these things. And He taught. He went to the temple and He taught. Now, this is a rem remarkable thing right there. And uh, uh, it's commented on a little later. So if you can picture the Lord Jesus going into the temple, it says He taught. That means He, was, he would take the pulpit that day and also the scroll wherever they had been studying and such and he would spread it out and he would read it and they would and, and explain it and so on and so forth okay so there's the picture of it in your mind I don't know about you but my mind likes to have little pictures and stuff I picture myself there looking there's Jesus up there uh, uh, teaching how do you do that well he's the Lord how come some of them didn't stop him well you can't He's the Lord. They can stop him if he wants to go up there. He'll do whatever he wants to do. And he does do whatever he wants to do. And what he wanted to do, and he was going to the cross of Calvary. He's back down in that area. And that's where he's going to end up there. But right now he's teaching in the temple. He's got some work to do yet before that other takes place. And the Jews marveled, saying, How knoweth this man letters? How does this guy know how to read and write? They said, We know who this is. This is the carpenter's son. He hasn't been to school, hasn't been to our schools. This is the Lord. He gave the scriptures. <laughs> he knows what it says. He's got it all memorized. <laughs> More than that, you know, he gave the thing. Jesus answered them. Well, let's just stop this man. He, how, how, knoweth, how knoweth this man letters, having never learned? He's not from our schools. We look at today and we look at ourselves and amongst... Uh, amongst the Christians and you go to this school and they go to this school and such and there, there's a, a, a strife that's not maybe not the right word but there's a competition between you know didn't go to the right school and I've told the story before of uh, um, one uh, uh, fellow uh, Mr. Dowie uh, I think it's just a wonderful story they were he was uh, somewhere they were uh, uh, preaching and then with a bunch of preachers and they were out having supper and sitting around the table and they're comparing where they went to this school this guy went to this school this guy went to this Bible college and so on and so forth and where did you go Bob? Uh, St. Mary's what? never heard of that he says you never heard of St. Mary's at the feet of Jesus <laughs> and he was one of the greatest Bible teachers that I've ever met had most of the, a lot of the Bible memorized and such he was a great, uh, great man of God at the feet of Jesus you don't need to go to school and stuff isn't, uh, wasn't it uh, Spurgeon that had a, a, a message about, uh, about uh, the, uh, even a boy that is behind the plow no more than, than the scholars if he you know, reads and understands the Bible? Anyways, so they, they look at Jesus. They say, How did he do, what's he doing there? And Jesus answered them and said, my doctrine. Now we have today even people say, well, I don't want doctrine. It just simply means the teachings. That's what doctrine is. You better have doctrine. You better have teachings. If you don't take the teachings of the Bible, you're going to have things in your own head and things whispered in your ear, and it's not going to go well for you. You're going to be going off on a tangent. How come there's so many people off on tangents and so many denominations and isms and such today? They're not paying attention to God's Word. and They get way over there, okay? Jesus answered and said, My doctrine, better be God's doctrine, the Bible, he says, is not mine, but his that sent me. He's declaring to them right there something pretty important, something pretty special, something huge. He says, this is God's. This is the Father's doctrine. He sent me. And it wasn't just that he said was saying that I'm just a prophet. He just 
sent me as a man to go. It's a declaration. I believe it's a declaration of his deity right there. Because he takes, takes opportunities to help them understand. He's teaching them. And one of the first things people need to learn is that Jesus Christ is God Almighty. That was God manifest in the flesh on the cross of Calvary. Amen? Amen. That's who it was. He's going to teach them that. And that's what he's doing right here. My doctrine's not mine, but his that sent me. He says, this doctrine's from God. This is not from your schools. This is not from your places of learning. This is from a whole nother world. A whole nother world. You know, there's another world all around us, eh? That we can't see. The, world, the spiritual world. We can't see it. If any man will do his will, who? He that sent me, which is God, God the Father. If any man will do his will, he shall know of the doctrine. What's God's will for people today? If you're writing things, you're right, get saved. If you're writing things down and you should be writing down the references so you can go back and look at them another time, 1 John 3.23, and this is his commandment that you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Okay? First thing to know who Christ is, to take him as your Savior, because he went to the cross for you, for your sins. Paid them, paid them. Paid with his life as a sacrificial lamb on the cross of Calvary, was buried in the tomb, shed his blood, was buried in the tomb, and rose from the dead on the third day. Accept it, believe it. Romans 10, verses 9 and 10, maybe around there, I think it is. If any man will do his will, he shall know of the doctrine, whether it be of God or whether I speak of myself. He that speaks of himself seeks his own glory, and isn't that exactly what? mankind does a desire for recognition we want to, we want to have the glory we want people to recognize us we want to be noted we want to be seen we want to be heard we want recognition we want to tell people of ourselves and of our glory mm -hmm. but isn't it interesting that over in Philippians chapter 2 verse 7 it says that Jesus made himself of no reputation Jesus of no reputation. He wasn't looking to be uh, the number one or whatever. There he is. He that speaketh of himself seeks his own glory, but he that seeks his glory that sent him. And, and for us, we need to stop and think when we talk to people and such, what are we trying to convey to them? Did you ever talk to some people and you come away and you say, oh, I didn't give them a track, or I didn't do this? You ever do that? Anybody else help me out here? I'm not the only one, am I? Okay. Yeah, some people don't. don't. Forget that. But we need to seek God's glory and we need to talk of the Lord. We need to tell them of the Lord, not of ourselves. Who cares about the hockey game or the baseball game or something like that? People need to hear about Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. Like I said, we've got tons of tracks. Get them out there. But he that seeks his glory that, that sent him, the same is true, and no unrighteousness is in him. Jesus did not have a desire for recognition. He wanted people to be saved, to recognize him as sent from the Father, sent from God, and that he is the Lord himself. There he is. Verse 19. Did Moses give you the law? Now remember, he's talking to these people that were complaining about him being up there and reading to them, and they're all in shock. Well, how, where'd, this, where'd this guy learn from? Which seems strange to me. Um, I think they already had been through this before, several times before. Uh, where are we? Verse 19. 
And Jesus says to them, Did not Moses give you the law, and yet none of you keep the law? Whoa, there's a statement. He's just gonna he's gonna show them their hypocrisy. Now there's a lot of people we talked about last week and, and we have other times, a lot of people try and keep the law, and they use that as some kind of a system of righteousness. The Bible says, and I think it's first Timothy chapter one, verse nine, that the law is for the unrighteous. It's to show people their sins. It's to show people that you need a savior. That you've got problems, you've got this sin, and you can't get there from here with your sin. Something's got to be done with it. There's nothing we can do about it. The law will do that. The law shows us, yeah, we've got a problem. You go over in Acts, uh, right down Acts 15, 10, in there about there was a problem, and some were trying to, uh, the Judaizers were coming along and telling the new converts that you've got to, oh yeah, you believe in Jesus, but you've got to keep the law, and you've got to be circumcised, and you've got to do this, you've got to do that. And they were telling them that uh, uh, nobody can keep the, the laws. Nobody can do that. Did you know when uh, the Lord told Moses to have the, the tabernacle in the wilderness built, and then the, uh, uh, the, the Ark of the Covenant, and on top the mercy seat, and then the cherubim with the wings over like this, and that there was the tables, the tablets of the Ten Commandments inside the ark, as well as the Aaron's rod that budded and the pot of manna and stuff like that. The ark itself and all the furniture are pictures of Jesus Christ. The ark is made out of acacia wood that gives it its form. It's Jesus Christ had the form of a man, a human, but it was all covered in gold to show the deity, and it's the deity that you see. And in Jesus Christ, the Ten Commandments were kept perfectly. And in that ark, it's there to show the picture of Jesus Christ as the only one that could keep all the Ten Commandments because He's the Lord. Amen. Okay? And Moses, Moses give, did not Moses give you the law, he says to them, and yet none of you keep it. None of you. All the multitudes there, all the people around, the people in the temple at that time, he says, none of you keep the law. And he says, why go ye about to kill me? You keep the law. Well, one of the Ten Commandments is, thou shalt not kill. Mm -hmm. And if you read over in Matthew and write down, don't, you don't, you're not going to go there today, but you write down Matthew 5, verse 21-22, and the Lord Jesus in his Sermon on the Mount is just uh, kind of uh, fine-tuning that. If I could say that, I don't mean to be irreverent or anything. Uh, he's just uh, saying about um, murder, about killing, he says, if you're angry at your brother without a cause, you're in big trouble. You read that in Matthew 5, 21, 22. You say, well, I'm not a murderer. Do you hate somebody? You call people names or whatever? Jesus equated that with murder and killing somebody. Read it. It's, a, it's fascinating. And he's saying that to them. He says, you, you guys, you, try, you say you keep the law. Then what are you doing trying to kill me? Thou shalt not kill. Why do you go about to kill me? Yeah. Uh, where are we here? 20. Okay, 20. Thank you. <laughs> so we see that the ignorance of the people comes out here at verse 20. The people answered. Now you'll notice something here. Go back up to verse 14 just for a minute. Or verse 15. It says, And the Jews marveled. Okay, and look at verse 13. Howbeit no man spake openly of him for fear of the Jews. It looks like here that the Jews is being is referring to the uh, 
uh, uh, the scribes and the chief priests and the Pharisees in that ruling class, they're the ones that wanted to kill Jesus. And then it talks about the people, the people other than that ruling class, that religious class of leaders there. So we have down in verse 20, the people answered and said, thou hast a devil who goes about to kill thee. People just didn't understand. Just a, 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 they didn't understand their ruler's intentions. I thought this was an interesting thing. If this is the people and they didn't understand what Jesus is saying, they're going about to try and kill him. They're saying, what? They're trying to kill you? Well, isn't that interesting that the intentions of the leaders is not known by the people and they're doing things in secret? Oh, you ever heard that before? Anywhere? And Jesus answered and said unto them, oh, I'm sorry. The people answered and said, Thou hast a devil, who goeth about to kill thee? And, uh, um, yeah, I can't read my own note, note there, but whatever. Verse 21, Jesus answered and said unto them, I have done one work, and you all marvel. That word marvel means to to gaze in wonder. And that one work that he did, he's referencing back in John chapter 5, verses 1 to 16. Jesus was uh, earlier on at the uh, pool of Bethesda. Remember the man, the, the, the lame man who couldn't get into the water and that? And Jesus healed him. And they were angry at him because he did that on a Sabbath. This is the, cru the crux of it. They're, they want to kill him. Well, they were, they were jealous of him and envy of him, envious. We'll see that later. They wanted to do away with the Lord because he did this on the Sabbath. The Bible tells another place that they were jealous because of the people were listening to him and not them anymore. But they wanted to kill him because he healed that man on the Sabbath. So Jesus answers that thing. He, 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 he just points out their hypocrisy. And we know that word hypocrisy, it, it's a, a word that means a play actor. So he's telling them that you guys are just playing at this stuff, at, at religion. And a lot of people are playing at religion. Religion's not going to save you, but Jesus Christ will. Amen. Being a Baptist won't save you, but Jesus Christ will. Yep. Going to church all the time won't save you, but Jesus Christ will. Yep. Getting baptized won't save you, but Jesus Christ will. Amen? Amen. Jesus Christ, you must believe in Him. We, there's nothing we can do to earn our way into heaven. Jesus, verse 21, Jesus answered and said unto them, I have done one work, and ye all marvel. He's referring to that, what he did. Moses therefore gave unto you circumcision, not because it's of Moses, but of the fathers. And ye on the Sabbath day circumcise a man. Okay, you're not supposed to do works, you're not supposed to do anything on the Sabbath. But they're doing this on the Sabbath. He says, how come you guys do this on the Sabbath, but I make a man every whit whole, and you go about to kill me? He just showed them their hypocrisy. He just calls them right out on it. And uh, religious leaders, even of today, need to be called out on it. If they're That's not right. following this book, they need to be called out on it. If they're not preaching Jesus Christ, Him crucified and risen, they need to be called out on it. Right. We need to speak up. They're using Jesus Christ's name in vain. They're using that as a cuss word. We need to speak up. Enough nonsense. They need to be told, this is wrong, that's not the Bible, what you're doing. They need to be told that. Verse 23, if a man on the Sabbath day receives circumcision that the law of Moses should, be, should not be broken, 
Are ye angry at me? Now that word angry right there is a, um, a word that means specifically a bitter anger, but even deeper than that, it has the idea of being enraged. You ever see somebody enraged? This is what they are like, the gnashing of teeth enraged. That was their attitude to Jesus Christ. Because he there came in and upset their apple carts. He's telling the people the truth and the people are looking to him and following him. They're not looking at them and not listening to them. They, well, we have to get rid of this guy. And that's what they do, isn't it? That's what they do. That's what the world does. One fellow said the other day, something, what was it now? Uh, something about, and don't forget that Jesus was killed by the, the local police. And it was. Okay? What's that got to do with this? But it just happens like that. They get, get upset and stand against and stand for something and stand for the Lord. They're not going to like it. Um, the law of Moses shall not be broken. Are ye angry at me? Because I have made a man every whit whole on the Sabbath day. No. They were angry because of their envy. Their envy. They were envious of the Lord. I have a thing here somewhere. I don't know where I put it. Okay, we'll just go past that one. So it's that, and, and they were enraged, and it was, what was behind it all was their envy. I had some verses here, but I can't find them. Uh, verse 24, here we come down, here's a lesson. He's told them off, he's confronted them, he was teaching in that, but there's, uh, the, 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 the whole thing started to go sideways a bit, but he's going to bring out a lesson right here, and he's telling them, and he's telling for us. Judge not according to the appearance. Do we judge people according to the appearance? You see somebody, you say, oh, that guy's not saved. <laughs> the way they dress, the way they look, or whatever. You say, oh, they can't be saved. Hey, wait a minute. Jesus said, judge not according to the appearance. We don't know somebody's heart. God knows the heart. If we say that, that guy's not saved. Or look at the stupid thing they're doing. They can't be saved. Does that mean we're putting ourselves in the place of God? Because God knows the hearts. Do we know the hearts? No, we don't. Jesus says to them and for us here today, He says, judge not according to the appearance, but judge righteous judgment. And we know that the Bible tells us in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 6, that the, that the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. Rules and such and the laws and such don't help in that sense. Okay? And what you will find, even in churches, you will find if, if people are trying to keep the Ten Commandments or they have a set of rules and stuff, you're going to find that they, are, they will look to those rules and grace goes out the window. Grace goes right out the window and we've got these laws and these rules to follow. Have you ever heard of that before? I'm sure you have seen it and heard it. Because you won't have the grace of God through the Spirit of God working in our midst if we set up all kinds of rules and we judge one another by appearance and this and that, whatever. You know, grace, my definition is that grace gives another person room to live and grow. Okay? Grace does that. That's the grace of God, not rules and stuff. He says, don't judge according to the appearance. The letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. <clears throat> what he's saying to them here, right there it says righteous judgment. That word righteous right there has this idea behind it uh, without prejudice or partiality. 
He's, say, he's not saying to them, don't you ever judge. You hear people say that, don't judge. No, Jesus, you're supposed to judge. Judge sin and everything else, but without partiality, without prejudice. Don't judge by appearance, but judge without prejudice or partiality. Verse 25, Then said some of them of Jerusalem, now you have all kinds of people here from all over Judea and up in the up in the north in Galilee and there are all kinds of people there. But the ones from Jerusalem, when we look through our Bible, we see that the ones in Jerusalem were the ones that particularly gave the Lord Jesus a lot of problems. Eh? Some of his greatest opponents were were there. I don't mean great in a good way, in good sense. Uh, some of them in Jerusalem. So we have uh, the Jews mentioned. We have the people mentioned. And now there's another group here where it would seem. You, just, you check that out yourself. See if it is. Uh, then some of them in, of Jerusalem said, and they're saying of Jesus, is this not he of whom they seek to kill? Now what's taking place here? Some of these people were saying, and they understood that the rulers were after the, him to kill him, but he's standing up there teaching in the, in, in the, uh, uh, in the temple, and he's telling them, and he's, he's teaching them, and he's telling them off. And the people, these people, these, some of them, they say, uh, verse 26, But lo, he speaks he speaketh boldly, and they say nothing unto him. Do the rulers know indeed that this is the very Christ? These people were saying, did the rulers change their mind? They wanted to kill him, but they're not doing anything. They're not touching him. And they were kind of confused in this. What's going on? They thought that the rulers um, uh, had maybe believed in Jesus, that this is Christ. Okay, so that's what they're saying here. Do the rulers know indeed that this is the very Christ? What about the rulers? Did they know? Did they actually know? We go back to John chapter 3, verse 2, and you have Nicodemus coming to the Lord Jesus by night. And he says, uh, he says, we know that thou art a teacher come from God. A teacher. That doesn't talk about who he is. That's not the Christ. That's not the Messiah. He's a teacher. That was what uh, Nicodemus said. But uh, we have here in, uh, let me read a verse to you in John 9, 16. It says, therefore said some of the Pharisees, this man is not of God, because he keepeth not the Sabbath day. Others of the Pharisees said, How can a man that is a sinner do such miracles? And there was a division among them. There was a division amongst the Pharisees. Some believed in Jesus and that he was who he said he was. Let me read another couple verses to you in John 12, verses 42 and 43. Nevertheless, among the chief rulers also, Many believed on him, but because of the Pharisees, they did not confess him, lest they should be put out of the synagogue, for they loved the praise of men more than the praise of God. They, did you catch that? There's a whole another big rabbit trail here. Many believed in Jesus, but they wouldn't confess him openly and outwardly. We have to ask ourselves here today, you, you profess Jesus Christ, do you confess him outwardly and openly? Do you tell people about him? You can't hide that thing. Do we tell our neighbors? Do we tell the people that we work with? Do we tell the people that we meet that I'm a Christian? Here's my testimony. 
Or this is what the Bible says about Jesus Christ. Here's a tract for you to read. These ones um, didn't want to say because they would be put out of the, uh, of the temple. Remember when we went through the book of Hebrews not too long ago. And one of the problems with some of the people that would, in the book of Hebrews, we saw that some of them, and it says in the book of Acts that many of the Jews believed. And many of the Pharisees believed, and yet they still tried to keep the law. They went about um, promoting the law and not talking about Jesus. The Spirit of God said they've got a big problem because you can't mix belief in Jesus and keeping the law and, and everything else like that. Mm -hmm. It's either Jesus or nothing. Mm -hmm. There's no religion. There's no Ten Commandments to add to it. It's Jesus or nothing. They were in a bad way. You read it in Hebrews. Anyway, we just see that taking place right there. Do the rulers know indeed that this is the very Christ? It says that some did. But they weren't about to say who he is. A lot of, I, I shouldn't say a lot. I don't know. There's some Christians today that won't speak up for the Lord. It's got to be all or nothing. You know? It's Jesus Christ or nothing. Amen? Amen? That's what it is. Just do what you can. Do what you can. Um, albeit we know that, verse 27, verse 26, do the rulers know indeed this is the very Christ? Verse 27, howbeit we know this man. We, boy, there's a, there's a, oh, we know all this. We know this man whence he is. See what they're saying? We know where he's from. We know who this guy is. But when Christ comes, no man knows where he's from, whence he is. Okay? They said these two things. Now picture it. Jesus is teaching, and he's talking to those others. And I don't know if these ones are right in front of him, but he hears and he knows the conversation that's going on. They could have been outside somewhere. I don't know where they were. But he knows it. But look at what we read in verse 28. Then cried Jesus. He speaks up. It means he lifts up his voice and he's shouting it now. I think they were either at the back or maybe they were outside the door. I don't know. And they're talking about this. They're saying, do the rulers know that this is indeed Christ and so on and so forth. And, and, they, and they said, we know who he is. We know where he's from. They meant like he's the carpenter's son. That he's not who he says. And Jesus lifts up his voice as he taught. He says, ye both, what is both? How many is both? Is it five? <laughs> it's two. They said two things. We know who he is and where he's from. He says, you both, number one, you know me. And number two, you know whence I am. You know where I came from. He's saying, you've got no excuse. He's got no, you've got no excuse. You know who I am. They know because of the miracles. They know in their hearts. And you know people today, they know that the Bible's a special book, eh? People know that. People used to say, I've never heard anybody say it for a long time, oh, I swear on a stack of Bibles. You know, you can go in court, you put your hand on the Bible and all this stuff. People know inside that the Bible's a special book. They know it, but they don't want it. Why? Because they love their darkness. They love their sin. They're afraid that their lives will have to change. You know your lives will change for the better. Amen. For the better. God will take away that, that weight of sin. 
that burden of sin, all the guilt, everything. You'll be set free. You know what it is not to have any burdens or anything? Just set free to serve God and follow the Lord. Eh? What a thing, eh? Jesus cried in the temple as he taught, saying, Ye both know me, and you know whence I am. And Jesus replied like that, so therefore we can say, They knew. They knew. Oh my. How many people today know? How many people know? And they're just not giving their lives. They're just not giving in. They're just not taking Jesus Christ as their Savior. It means all in. That means everything else goes. You come before Him, everything's gone. Everything. Lord, here I am. Save my soul, and He'll save your soul. Recognize that you're a sinner. Recognize that He's the Savior. And call out to Him. Verse 29. Uh, we'll finish verse 28 here. Uh, but you both know me and know whence I am. And I am not come of myself, but he that sent me is true, whom ye know not. He's saying you are false leaders. You are the blind leading the blind. And he says, verse 29, but I know him, for I am from him. That's a declaration of deity right there, I believe. And he hath sent me. So they knew, but they would not accept Jesus, maybe you're today here listening to this, or somebody's here today, and they've not come to that place of just giving up everything and taking Jesus Christ. You know who He is. You know the Bible's the Word of God. Everything, everything is gone. Here I stand before the Lord with nothing in my hands. And call out to Jesus. Verse 30, so let's see their response. Then they... This would be the rulers, the, uh, uh, the uh, uh, chief priests and the Pharisees and the scribes and all those guys, the ruling class. They sought to take him. What did they want to do with him? They wanted to kill him. Why? Because he's telling them the truth. Because he told the truth. But no man laid hands on him because his hour was not yet come. It wouldn't be till the following April when they would allow them put their hands on him. Okay? In verse 31, and many of the people believed on him and said, well, what had he been doing previously? Miracles, miracles, miracles. And what does it tell us in John chapter 20, verse 30 and 31? Write that down and read it. It says, and, and many other things truly did Jesus in the presence of his disciples, but these are written that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you might have life through His name. These miracles, the people had seen the miracles. And they said, you know, and put it all together. This is Him. This is the Messiah. This is the Christ. And many of the people believed on Him and said, when Christ comes, will He do more miracles than these, which this man has done? Of course not. This is Him. Verse 32, the Pharisees heard that the, heard the people murmured such things concerning him, and the Pharisees and chief priests sent officers to take him. Well, first thing we see that they're a bit spineless. They didn't want to do that. They want somebody else to do their dirty work for them. They didn't have what it takes to go in, confront him face to face, and arrest, drag him off. They can, well, you can't. They can't anyways, could they? But they sent officers. Now, these are the church leaders getting officers. What officers? They're not in command of the army. This isn't the, the, 
the armies and the soldiers that came to him because they have no say over them and what to do. These are the officers of the Sanhedrin. Yes, eh? They would send their officers to take him. And they would say, we're just doing our job. Verse 33, Then said Jesus unto them, Yet a little while am I with you. And then I go unto him that sent me. He's telling them again. But you notice that they won't get it. People can't understand this because the Bible is spiritually discerned. You have to have this Holy Spirit to help you understand what's going on. They did not. He just told them, he says, you don't know God. You don't know God. These are the ones that were telling all the people how to worship and stuff. He says, you don't know God. Yet in a little while am I with you, and then I go unto him that sent me. A little while, he's talking about, okay, in the springtime, in April there, the first bit. He shall seek me, and shall not find me. And where I am, thither ye cannot come. Why? Jesus says, where I'm going, you can't come. Do you know what he was saying? They're not going to heaven. Most people today that you talk to figure they're going to heaven for one reason or another. We have to tell them and say, if it's not according to what the Bible says, if you think that you, because you're a good person, because you're doing this, you're doing that, or doing the other thing, and you keep the Ten Commandments and such, you're not going to heaven. You're going to hell. You're on your way to hell. That's what Jesus was saying to them. Because of unbelief, you can't come. I heard one preacher one time say, and, and you have to get the context of it. You have to understand what, what, what he's talking about here. He said, there's a, I, think it was, I think it was William Allen. There's only one sin that can keep you out of heaven. The sin of unbelief. The sin of unbelief. Think about it, people. Think about that. The only sin that keeps a person from heaven, the only sin that keeps a person out of hell, is unbelief in Christ. And people don't receive Him, don't want to believe in Him, and yet they want to be some kind of religious leader or think they're religious or think they're good people or whatever. They might be good people. And then said the Jews, verse 35, among themselves, whither will he go that we shall not find him? See, they thought so highly of themselves like, it was like, uh, where could he hide from us that we would not know? Will he go to the dispersed among the Gentiles and teach the Gentiles? You see, here's absolute confusion. What does the Bible say about that? What does the Bible say about confusion? 1 Corinthians 14, 33, For God is not the author of confusion, but of peace. And they're absolutely confused. Okay, we're going to run down here to the end of it. Verse 36 to 39, and we'll finish up. Hang on. You won't die, probably. Verse 36, uh, What manner of saying is this, that he said, Ye shall seek me, and shall not find me? And where I am, thither ye cannot come. They didn't get it. They didn't understand it. Isn't that a shame, eh? An absolute shame. So there we have, now the next three verses, you have the Lord Jesus stand up, verse 37, 38, 39, stands up, and he replies. He replies to this. Okay, he's got. The, he's going to have the, the final word in this. Um, in the last day, 
that great day of the feast. So the, he went up there in the middle of the week. And we've just covered from the middle of the week to the last day. Now, in the middle of the week, was it? They had they would call the days day one, day two, and so on and so forth. Sunday was day one, and on and on you went up to the Saturday. Our Saturday is the Sabbath, is day seven. So they've gone through the whole week now. So we have a couple days that have transpired here of this stuff here that's been going back and forth. In the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried again. He's lifting up his voice and saying. If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. Now let's get the picture of what's taking place here. Um, at the Feast of Tabernacles, or the booths, whatever you call it, it, it included a daily libation of water to commemorate something. See, people were given a daily portion of water to commemorate the miraculous supply of water in the wilderness after Israel departed from Egypt. You remember that account back in the Old Testament? How the Lord miraculously brought the water out of the and out of the rock, and this is to commemorate that people were given that water at that time. And Jesus is standing up; he's going to talk about the water at the last day of the feast. It also points forward to what the prophets saw as the future blessing of the nation. Jesus fulfilled this promise in the fulfillment of the provision and the gift of the Holy Spirit following Jesus' glorification. Okay. So Jesus stands up the last day, the great day of the feast. He stands up and cries, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. Because the people were lining up, I guess, for their daily portion of water to commemorate. Remember, he says, If any man thirst, come unto me. We understand what that means. I guess maybe they didn't. He that believeth on me. That word on right there has the idea of reaching, reaching the uh, desired point. Being in right where you need to go, right where you need to be. He that believeth on me, as the scripture saith, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. But this spake he of the Spirit, which they that believe on him should receive. For the Holy Ghost was not yet given, because that Jesus was not yet glorified. He hadn't gone to the cross. He's glorified in the resurrection. Okay? And he tells us, and he's telling them that out of our bellies shall flow rivers of living water, those that believe and trust in him. And we read over in Acts chapter 1, you read about and the Spirit of God is going to be given, the Holy Spirit's going to be given, Jesus is going to give the Holy Spirit, and when he comes upon them, he says, when he comes upon you, ye shall be witnesses. What's the water flowing forth? Telling people about Jesus Christ. When you got saved, did you understand or did you have that desire upon you? To go and tell people about Christ. That's that river. That's that water flowing up. You can't keep it in. I remember my younger brother, Stephen, stopping people on the street. Did you hear about Jesus Christ? Did you hear the gospel? Just, it was just a wonderful time. You know, we just get saved. We don't know any different. We're just telling people, telling people, telling people. Whatever the consequence. It doesn't matter. We're telling people all the time. And we, we kind of lose that as time goes on. Do we? Sometimes. We need to get back. That's revival, folks. We all know that we need revival, personal and corporate revival. There it is right there. Jesus said, when you believe in Him, you're given the Holy Spirit. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13. You're sealed with the Holy Spirit. When you believe, you're sealed with the Holy Spirit is in there. And you shall be witnesses. 
How did they notice? Remember back in Acts chapter 6, they had these as choose out, choose out from among you, um, was it seven men? And we think they're the first deacons, perhaps. Uh, men full of faith, filled with the Holy Spirit. How would they know that they were filled with the Spirit of God? Do you know what they were doing? They would be going out and they'd be telling people about the Lord, telling people about the Lord, here, there, and everywhere. It's easy to see. This is something for us. It's not a condemnation, but it's for us to, we know that things are wrong. We know that there's something missing. We know that things are upset. We know that we live in this Laodicean age where everything's backwards and, and cold and lukewarm. But he that believes on me, as the scriptures have said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. Lord, I want that. Do you want that? Do you want to be that one? Out of me flowing from you. The Spirit of God to reach out to other people. This is what he's talking about. This is, are you thirsty for that? Are you thirsting for that? You need to be saved. And when we get saved, we need to walk with him. We need to live for him. And we need to think about him always. There's nothing more important. One of these days, it's all going to be over. This world, the way it's governed, all the whole thing. Jesus is going to come back. He's going to rule. He's going to remove the squatters. Everything's going to change. Everything's going to change. Or you might die today. You'd be in either heaven or hell, whether you're saved or not. But even if you're saved, if we have not given our lives to Jesus Christ, maybe we did earlier on, but maybe we've let it off, maybe it's slowed down. I want that. I want that. Just of the Spirit of God speak to people. But this he spake, but this spake he of the Spirit, which they that believe on him should receive. For the Holy Ghost was not yet given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. We have to stop right there. Um, we'll stop there and have a word of prayer, and we'll continue on next week, Lord willing. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you, Lord, for your word. We thank you that the Bible is the word of God. And Lord, we just thank you. We thank you for salvation through Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for going to the cross for us. For letting yourself be beat up, beat up like that. For giving your life blood. For dying, being buried, and rising from the dead. And Lord, we thank you. And we thank you for the gift of the Holy Spirit to the believer. Let us be witnesses here in Jerusalem, in Judea, in the uttermost parts of the world, Lord. In our Jerusalem, our circle of uh, sphere of influence, Lord. And we just thank you, Lord, and give you the honor, the glory, and the praise. And thank you, in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Thanks for watching, folks. Lord bless you, and we'll be back next week. Lord willing. Bye now.